Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Osiris. Clock is on, the red light has appeared, and we are live Monday, July 31st, the Helping Friendly Podcast on tour, coming at you live with a hit that is quick. My name is Brian, that's Megan, (laughs) that's Jonathan, RJ may or may not be joining us here, he is waiting on an Airbnb code, such is life for young parents in the midst of an incredible, a fascinating, a wild fish summer tour that we are desperate to cover and bring to you. Megan, you spent the weekend camping. You are rejoining Fish Tour here. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing great. Yeah, I went to the show on Friday and then I escaped for the weekend. I went up to the Catskills and I did a, a version of camping kind of more glamping, to be honest. Like they delivered hummus plates if I wanted it. You know, it was a little bit more, yeah, it was really nice. That is not (laughs) camping. That is sitting outside and being You sent a picture of the place you were staying and I showed it to my wife because I thought she would dig it. And and I said, here, here's where Megan and her husband are camping. And she says, that's not camping. And I was like, well, maybe, but (laughs) that's what they called it. (laughs) It's, it's, it's Scandinavian camping and we were staying in Agushna is what it's called. Yeah, and it's like one wall is glass and they're triangular and then there's just like a bed and like little bed stands and a lantern. And then there was a separate outhouse that had like a really – it was actually a really nice bathroom, but the ceiling was all glass. So you could like shower and look out at the sky. It was beautiful and I did some amazing hiking and – They have like um, a no drone rule. Yeah, probably, right? (laughs) Hope so. (laughs) 
But yeah, and I just tried not to, you know, check my phone every five minutes. But Jonathan, last night I was sitting at the fire and you were sending updates like, oh, that segue into gin. And Sorry. I was like, fuck yes, thank you. No, it was good. I like needed it. It was like I was getting my fix. But, you know, I was desperately sad to leave because I was having the most amazing time on tour. And then the show on Friday was just absolutely incredible. But it was a nice way to spend the weekend. And I feel rested, rejuvenated. I slept a lot and I'm so ready to go back tomorrow. I love it. I love it. Those vacation texts from Fish Tour where you're like, yeah, I'm on vacation, but also Fish is on tour, which is kind of a vacation from normal life. So it's okay for me to respond to this text. Jonathan, I saw you last, um, I don't know, 27 hours ago. We were both a little sleep deprived. Uh, How are you feeling here today? How's, How's the start of your week going? Uh, well, it's Monday, but, um, I feel good and I feel like, uh, yesterday's conversation dovetails nicely into last night's show, which leads us here because we talked about, are there rules? Mm -hmm. We talked about, (laughs) we proposed and denied and considered rules. Um, we talked about. Isabella, and here we are. So uh, I'm excited to talk about last night's show. That's really where I am. I've, I've been re-listening, uh, which didn't have a chance to do Saturday's show before we talked yesterday because we did that so early. So early. <laughs> so early. It was so, worth it, so though. Early. It was great. But yeah, let's get it. We're going to get it. Before we get it, we do have just quick business at hand. Megan, you are in New York City. You will be going to the final four shows. Am I correct on that? I believe that that's accurate. Um, Megan, Jonathan, would uh, one of you please let me know what is happening in New York City this weekend. There is a huge anniversary. We are not celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Tahoe Tweezer, but we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of... The Helping Jeff Friendly Hunt. Podcast, yeah. Oh, um, Megan, I'm, you're going to tag team with me on this. So I'm going to we'll try to figure out and get all the details here. So we are having a pre-show gathering at the Bitter End in New York City on Saturday, August 5th. It's the 10th anniversary of HF Pod, as Megan and I both just acknowledged. And um, I think we're going to be interviewed on stage. Uh, yeah. Brad will be there, RJ, I, and Megan will be there. And then what else is going to happen there, Megan? Yeah, so Mike Greenhouse from Relics is going to be interviewing us about the pod. And it's going to be a great conversation. I think Matt Dwyer might be there too. Rumor has it. And uh, yeah, and we'll be interviewing and talking about the pod. And then after that, the Cal Kehoe Band is going to play. And they played at our Ardmore show in December, our 97 tribute. And it was incredible. So that band's going to be amazing. I'm super excited. And we're just going to have a throwdown rager party before the last night of MSG. So everybody should come. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be three to five at the bitter end. Get your tickets at osirispod.com. They're 10 bucks. A portion of it goes to Waterwheel. Please come and celebrate the pod. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And just as she said, three to five, so we'll get in there. We'll have a good time, you know, a little chat, a little music, maybe a beverage, and then get the hell up to MSG for the final night of the run. Yeah, and vibes it are sounds, so high. It sounds amazing. I, I so wish I could be there. I am currently uh, 
potting from a cabin in the Bitterroot Valley here in Missoula, Montana, surrounded, uh, or just south of Missoula, Montana, surrounded by forest fires. We drove through a forest fire wow. last night as uh, we were streaming the second or the first set of uh, Fish's show. Um, but very, very excited for you guys. Wish I could be celebrating this with you, but I got a lot of fishing to do myself, like actual fishing. I got um, some hiking to do. I got some friends to see. I got some restaurants that I love eating at. They're never like the best restaurants, but like they bring back all those memories of being uh, 22 years old and whatnot. But um, should be a ton of fun for you guys at the bitter end. Let's get into last night's show here. So set one, broke some rules. We're going to talk wow. about some rules here. Uh, so rules? we opened, we opened, we will talk about that here shortly. Um, <laughs> we opened with ACDC bag, which goes type two for, I mean, it feels uh, like a regular thing again since the man show from last year. Uh, so many, so many great little micro jams off of ACDC bag, which segued into my friend, my friend, which jammed again, which segued into bathtub gin. Then we got, um, We'll talk about this, but a very interesting take on theme from the bottom into Llama, where we pondered the existence of rules. Tube, which then faded into Golgi Apparatus, wrapping us up at an hour and six minutes. Um, really, really fun first set here. What were you guys' thoughts on it? I thought this first set was a masterpiece. I thought the flow was just absolutely un believable. I think like starting off with this jammed out bag, which gets people so excited. You know, this song has been played 327 times, but this is going to be the 25th entry on the jam chart, right? So it's just like, this song is never jammed. And now that it's getting that treatment every once in a while, it's so fun. I mean, I think that we had, this is the fourth since Coventry that it's been jammed. So Philly 22, uh, Meriwether Post 22, um, which is like a week after that. And then at the Berkeley mm -hmm. this spring, and then now this one. So it's just, it's so exciting and everybody's excited when this song jams out and to open the show like that, it's definitely a statement. I thought that my friend is just, it's so great and perfect little mini jam. Again, a song that hasn't been jammed that many times, either 20 times on the chart, but I guess they'll probably include Alpharetta and last night too. So we'll get up to 22, but just really exciting to hear these older songs have like new life breathed into them. The segue into Jin, you texted us about that, Jonathan. It's unbelievable. It's like just butter, perfect, beautiful segue in. So great. And then theme, I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this. I want to like get into <laughs> it. But first, I want to hear about kind of what you guys thought about the beginning of the set and then go into that because it's such a big conversation. There, let me, let me take that uh baton then yeah you you cover the first part so well though really i mean bag right out the gate they're jamming and it's not a long jam but it felt like it was honestly mm -hmm. and that and that has like two possible meanings right so you're either bored and it seems like it takes forever or just time doesn't really matter and it's over and you're like holy shit how much was that and uh you know and it's only the next day because like as i said yesterday i don't really clock too closely during the sets uh, it was only a dozen minutes but not only was it a dozen minutes but it had a beautiful segue into my friend and mm -hmm. again as you said my friend uh is not a big jammer right like um the uh oh, i was going to look for my note on that that i sent you guys earlier but i had the wrong note uh about some sound checks that have come up uh so 
July 14th, the Alpharetta show was the longest ever, my friend, my friend, the one they just did, mm -hmm. whatever that was 15 days ago. Um, previous to that, Jam Filled is the second longest, and last night would be number three. Um, so awesome. And this is a, not a young song. I mean, this guy has been around for a long time. They just really haven't taken it for a lot of walks. So it's very exciting to see that they're willing to kind of go there. And again, you know, it's only 10 minutes, but it's it's a productive 10 minutes. Is that mm -hmm. a good way to put it, Brian? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and again, another beautiful segue into bathtub gin. Um, and then things happen. Should I reserve my comments here until we come back around? Yeah, let's get into mm -hmm. it. Okay, go ahead, yeah. Brian. We'll jump into the second half because I think there's almost like two parts to the set in a really interesting mm -hmm. way, which is a lot to pack into what's only over an hour. It's sixty-six minute long set. It's it's fairly short, but but just it's feels as very just... short for this summer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the only two thoughts I have is the the opening of this show which kind of spills into the rest of the first set it feels to me like um that like messy and wild party that happens after you nail your exams um like it feels yeah. like you know there was so much anticipation leading up to friday and they enter friday night with more energy than i think anybody was anticipating it almost was that um that sustained feeling of the carini opener from uh april yeah. 2022 you know they get the run delayed and then how are you going to open this run well let's just play the loudest most aggressive song we have for 20 minutes and boom you're all here but they sustain that energy for the entire show and then saturday felt a lot more cerebral to me it has this like kind of heady vibe that fuego i gushed about yesterday if you want to hear me just go off about um democratic jamming uh for for way too long yesterday please please listen to that podcast but this <laughs> feels like um just fun, raucous, almost inconsequential, but in like the best way possible, just like celebratory jamming. Let's play two songs that don't typically jam. Let's jam them. Let's, you know, lead one into the other. And then we go into gin, which is just as reliable as it gets. Doesn't really go out there. Doesn't need to. You get essentially this show opening 40 minutes of just raucous fun that it doesn't feel as focused as the jamming from the last two nights, but doesn't need to. Like kind of to your point, Jonathan, it it feels really, really fun. It feels like they've discovered this new jamming space. And my friend, my friend, that almost reminds me of It's Ice, where that middle mm -hmm. part of It's Ice could stay relatively composed. That's a very difficult song to play. But there are a few versions, I think, offhand. Um, I think it's 920-2000 from Cincinnati. It's like a 16-minute version of It's Ice because they just expand the middle section. The Velvet uh, show from the Baker's Dozen had that vibe as well with that, that version of It's Ice. And my friend, my friend, it almost seems now like when they end the song, rather than just yelling, he's got a knife and screeching, well, we can throw in some distorted guitar and some swells and you know just some mania, and it adds to the vibe of the song. So I loved this opening segment, um, and I feel like to get into the latter part of the set where this set really cements itself as like a fully thematic event is in this theme from the bottom. Um, who wants to take theme from the bottom here and what happens in this song? Well, I was watching, I, Brian, I don't know if you're, go ahead. I was not, was, was on yeah, I listened when, back. when this happened. So I was watching this happen and, and I'm still puzzled 
a little bit. So <laughs> they they pretty quickly go into theme. Like there's not a lot of, you know, futzing around after bathtub gin. They just start playing theme. Uh, but they do they both they all start playing theme? It feels like Trey wants to play it different. And then he walks over to Mike and he gets right up next to him, like, and they're he's smiling and laughing. And it's like they're they're it's not that they're not in sync, it's just that I I it's it's so baffling. But if you just listen to it, it really sounds like they're just taking the song differently. Yeah, which yeah, I think reinforces like my confusion because I was watching it. I was like, "Oh, it looks like somebody's screwing up, and Trey's having a good time with it." But maybe they're not. I don't know. I don't care because it sounds cool and different. And I think then that inspired a very strong, albeit not long, jam in the song itself. So again, we get you know we get a ten and change minute version of a thing and uh that in itself was it was it, it's a unique theme and i think it's good I, I would love to know what the thoughts were on the stage when this was happening i know i felt like they were intentionally messing with the tempo it reminded me of how goose does that sometimes how they'll play their songs at different tempos and it was almost like whether it was intentional or not once they slipped into that different tempo they, they decided were. to like play with it and mm. you can hear them almost like stretching it out and breathing into it. You can even hear them like layering different sounds when they usually don't do that in that spot. And you could almost feel like them having fun. I just listened back. I didn't watch it, but it sounded like someone playing with a toy that they've had forever. And they're like, Oh shit, it can do this too. You know, it just sounded mm. like really playful and fun. And then you can kind of hear them like click in for the second after the second verse. And then they're like back on yep. the regular tempo. And it was cool. I have no idea if it was intentional or not. I'd like to think it kind of was, but I thought the jam after sounded so inspired and just perfect, gorgeous, beautiful peak. And I thought this band is they're at this amazing place. Like you said, Brian, about the energy on Friday night, I was on the floor directly under the soundboard. So basically in like the dead center middle of Madison square garden. And I have never in my life felt energy. Like I felt that night. I, I have never felt a band emit so much energy and the crowd rise to meet it. And I think that they're feeling that I don't know that they're just in this really great spot as a band right now. And I feel like there's just a magic around the summer tour and these shows at MSG to me have just been so inspiring. And I think I, they just sounded inspired and who knows if it was a mistake that led to that inspiration, but it was fucking cool. Yeah. I, my ears, when I hear it hear that, um, one band member wanted to play theme, the rest were not ready. And they played around with it as a result. And I love that aspect of it because it kind of speaks to what we were talking about in yesterday's show regarding that um, segue out of 2001 into HYHU, into Fishman forgetting how to sing Crackling Rosie, into <laughs> yeah. Trey saying, this is what it's all about. Like that moment to me is kind of what it's all about. It harkens back to something Trey says. It's one of my favorite quotes from him from Bittersweet Motel where he says, 
people don't come to our shows to hear us nail every change. They come to our shows yeah. for the energy and, and the energy was there and the energy was rocking and that's what it's about. And I think that like, you know, there's, there's absolutely an element to fish with a song like Fluffhead that requires the changes to be nailed. And it requires that yeah. studiousness that the band employed in their origins to say, we're going to break all of these musical rules and we're going to do things that no other band is doing on stage. Um, you also have this other side of them that is in touch with kind of 1997 and 1998 where song structures can be messed with and a song like, um, I'm just thinking offhand of uh, uh, like the Reba from the Gorge 98. Suddenly the wah pedal is employed in a song that is written so far away from any idea of funk and wah and jamming. And suddenly that is that overtakes the song. This sounded to me like theme from the bottom being jammed out and played around with rather than theme from the bottom um, let's ex like, let's go in and explore the other side. We, they kind of just seemed like they stumbled into it and it worked. And I love that almost more than them going on stage and saying, let's try to play theme from the bottom a different way than we have in the past. I don't know. I loved it. I, I it yeah. made me smile. It made me laugh. It, I went back and listened to it. I, I, I enjoyed all of it. Yeah. I, I think there was not intention <laughs> when yeah. theme from the bottom began on stage uh, to mess around with it, but they embraced the moment and, uh, and then high level, like high energy, fast jam <laughs> that then Trey calls back kind of the beginning of the way it had begun when they, when they are, yeah. they're ending the song. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know, what he's thinking but then they tear he tears into llama at such an incredible speed that by the time <laughs> he starts to sing it he's already laughing at himself and 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 like what have we done and and, and he manages <laughs> to get there and they do it and it's insane it I is mean, that like moment so is crazy fast. this is this is the big finger to all of the they play slow llama because it's all they can do people like like I, I'm pretty sure that argument has long since been buried. But like, if anybody's out there trying to dig it up, wrong. Your shovel broke. They destroyed this. It was so fun and and just intense. And then they finish it, and they're just like, they're. I mean, they're they're on a high and laughing. Yeah, yeah. And and Trey's like, did we already play that? And that's when he gets to the rules. And obviously it's like, what are the rules? What rules, what kind of rules is he talking about? He's talking about repeats. He's talking about no repeats and whatever. And making it clear that there aren't any rules. So our conversation, Brian, you're, you and I, we talked about, will there be no repeats at MSG? It, there will be no repeats at MSG until Fish repeats a song. And that's, that's just right. like right. every every tour they've been doing lately, where it's like it's oh they played four shows, no repeats, and fifth show they repeat three songs. Okay, I guess it's not no repeats. It's exactly what it is, and I'm here for it. And then uh, also loved the humor, the just the the you know the old man jokes that kind yes. of followed. Yeah, yeah, um, that the, was oh, funny. I was here at MSG when it was the old yeah. MSG and. Uh, yes, we all miss so that too, Trey. I know Trey so making great. a '94 joke just felt like Ooh. a a, th and, and then and then making a joke about how most of the fans there were not even born in '94. Yeah. So like you're making <laughs> these two jokes about like 
well, like the vets of this community, like you're only a small isolated crew over here. Most of the people here were born after our quote unquote peak period. It just felt like that meta discussion that we were talking about yesterday where Trey is aware of the historical implications of the band while also poking fun at it and just being like, look how ridiculous this is. Like we sold this venue out for seven shows in the row in the middle, in the middle of summer and we're doing whatever the fuck we want and you're just going to continue to come back here and and uh and enjoy it uh i don't know it it was the whole set had that vibe of just kind of it was a little silly it was a little loose it um it was sloppy in the right way you know like i say that not like it was it was sloppy in the way that like you know early seventies, Neil Young, like there's Brown notes and those Brown notes are part of the appeal of it. And there's humor and that humor is part of the appeal of it, which is very different for me to what happened on say Friday night, which to hear Mm -hmm. that band in 72 hours, play those two kinds of shows, just mind blowing. That's what's been so crazy about these three shows is that they've all been awesome, but totally different. You know, each one has like its own personality in a way that's just like really striking. And I, if that's sloppy fish, then give me sloppy fish anyway. I think their first sets have just been delivering so hard. The Friday night first set was just like magic. I mean, the way people were like walking around during set break on Friday was like, everybody was just looking at each other like, what is happening? It was just, I think they're really exceeding expectations. And you know, we have nothing but like tremendous expectations for this band. But the rest of the set was great too. We've got a super fun, dancey little jam on tube. Which was Great awesome. Tube. Great yeah, tube. like wow. Just they sound just like they're just giving everything a little bit extra. And then to end with Golgi was like that old school seal on the set. I, I just assigned it all to Trey sleeping in his own bed. I think. I mean, it did. No, I, I, I think he's just been having. I think he and hopefully by extension they are all having just a great time. Uh, Seems like it, it. Really feels like it uh, when you just hearing the music and watching them on stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really good close to the set. Um, Set two, we get Sigma Oasis, the debut. I'm so glad we got a debut off of the January release of Life Saving Gun, No Man in No Man's Land, Lonely Trip, uh, a relative bust out with Frankie Says, 73 shows. Last played, I thought it was originally last played, uh, 10, 16, 21 in San Francisco, but no, the... um, uh, uh, New Year's Eve show to no rock one Lilith's. on uh, the Rock Lilith's twelve thirty one twenty twenty one. Frankie says was played. That's right, I remember that. If you use uh, Dave Steinberg's physics stats, that show doesn't count. It only counts for stats on Fish.net. Interesting. I like that because I like that. it's um, not an audience attended show. Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody was there. We all watched it, but nobody was there yeah. to experience yeah. it. Um, that then faded into Gadajabu, which went into light, uh, I believe. I haven't checked the stats on this. I will while you go. Someone else is talking, but I believe this was the third set closing light. I have 112709 closing set one and um, 83118. And then this one, I'm going to double check those stats here. And then uh, Encore with Susie Greenberg and the first Isabella in 21 shows. 415. Um, Meg, throw me your larger themes of this overall show or this overall set. I mean, I think the flow that we had in the first set really continued here. I think Sigma is just a great set to opener. I loved Life Saving Gun. I 
I love this album. I love this song. It's so Beatles-esque to me. And I think it has like huge jamming potential. And it was exciting to hear them kind of like messing with that a little bit already. I feel like this is just one of these songs that just is going to super inspire Try to go take it deep. And perfect placement after Sigma, like really nice. And then I love this No Men's. I thought it was just a really, really nice rock and roll jam. Their jams have been sounding so effortless to me. That's the word that just keeps coming to me. It's just, they sound like they're really just like so full of breath and space and and listening. And, and I really liked it. And I also thought the light was great too. Um, the set listing of this whole run has just been pretty magical. And, and I've been impressed with his choices and, you know, knowing how to like play an old song and then a new song or an old song and then a bust out, or they're just dropping things like in really, really great. Yesterday you were talking both of you about, you know, how they keep pulling songs out of catalog and here they are again, you know, Frankie says, and I'm not happy that I missed it because I've never heard it. I'm chasing it and I had high hopes, but um, I'm glad everybody else got it because it's a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, loved, loved, loved where Frankie says landed in the, uh, in the set Sigma. It's funny. Uh, Sigma has been a semi reliable, fairly reliable jammer. So it's interesting to see them defy the expectation yeah. and not really go there this time. But, uh, then when they pulled in a life-saving gun, I know Brian had been asking for it. So I, I messaged the group and I was like, Oh my God, they're playing it. And uh, and then they went for it, too. It was like, you know, it's a dozen minutes. It's such a high energy kind of rocking kind of thing. I was like, this is this is great, great tone, great energy space for the band. And um, and they when they finally they finally dropped into no men's. Um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm like working on a crossword puzzle or something like an old band, like I do during these <laughs> things. And, uh, and a little bit later I, I look back up and I'm like, this is amazing. Is life-saving gun really running this long? Oh wait, no, they, no, it's no man's, but it could have been, it could have been life-saving mm-hmm. gun. Mm-hmm. It could have been. I it feel will like be. that energy <laughs> was informing this, the ongoing jam. It was just a great high energy jam and by contrast you know so we have the uh, the cool down of lonely trip frankie says which uh, i saw a couple people moan about uh online and uh to them i say guys it's 10 minutes out of a three-hour show chill out um oh god and, and if they, you don't uh, like lonely trip you're like an yeah, you're whatever, like cold yeah, so heart I, or something it's like, not about the material they're they were like the back-to-back <laughs> Two good, quiet songs. Oh my God. Oh, well, anyways, let's not give them enough time, much time here. Let's carry on. And, and yeah, you know, not. Jabu was sweet, but not, uh, not over long again. It was only 10 minutes, but the light is probably my highlight of this set because I, I just really loved the jam. It got quiet and spacey and then went up and high and you're right brian it is only the third time it's closed to set and it um it it you know carried with it in addition to this like the major key kind of peak jam it also then they built onto a set closing kind of finale sound which light doesn't usually get uh and it was great it was just it was yeah i love that part i I was Oh, sorry. Really go ahead. Jazzed. No, I was just going to have really jazzed walking away from that and a uh, really nice encore to boot. 
Yeah. I was really excited when they when Trey like brought back the the chorus of light and then he was just usually like he's just singing it but instead he was like soloing over it like he just sounded it was awesome like you were saying like a really great triumphant ending. Yeah, one of the things that we're getting that I'm absolutely loving about um all the work Trey's putting into his voice are we got it in light and we got it in wave of hope and I think we got it someplace else that I'm just blanking on right now but that return where he raises the the chorus up an octave yeah and you got it in wave of hope on 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 friday you got it here in light where it, he's well, adding something in the in the studio arrangement that's where you just have the backing vocals do their yes. thing while right. you're playing the solo this that's how that if you structured it in the studio to go like that and so he's coming in at that part a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah, and it just it adds, you know, there's been so much discussion over the last couple of years as Trey has um ended jams, you know, so the song is not unfinished and then uh, segues into another, it ends and then fades. And it's a different approach to what we heard in say the late 90s and 2.0 and um even parts of like 2015, 2017 where like once a jam went off, it was not coming back to the song and it was just it was off. There's something classic rock about the approach here where it is here's the jam we're going to play it we're going to stretch it out but we're going to conclude this song and it's all going to be contained within this and Mm -hmm. to get that octave raise it's really cool um i was thinking a lot especially during the no men's the light and the llama from the preceding set um you know how different the jamming approach here was compared to especially the fuego from saturday this almost felt like trey trio trey there were moments during that the the two nights i saw of the trey trio shows where there was a stance that trey had on stage that was extremely aggressive and harkens uh to memories of that um the first time you watch the youtube clip of the prog ghost where it mm. is he's no longer a guitarist there is there is a um he's he's in battle he's a he's an athlete he's, he's ready star. to operating conquer a he's a total operating a flamethrower type of stuff you're absolutely right and it is a very different type of jamming than um i think a lot yeah. of us were used to yeah even in recent years where there's been really accomplished jamming i think trey's guitar playing and I said it yesterday is on another level right now. It is the best I've heard since Magna Ball in terms of just nailing full ideas. And I think that there's a confidence and an arrogance. You don't play in a trio unless you know that you can hold your own as an instrument because every, no matter what happens, you add those keyboards, suddenly there's a bed to kind of hold mm-hmm. you all. And there's a foundation. That's exactly right. And, yeah. Santana, you know, and like, Santana describes yeah. playing with his big band as having a big comfy sofa. Uh, yes. you are, you're yeah. out there with a trio or by yourself, God forbid, you are all alone. You have to yep. fill all the holes yourself or yeah. everybody will see them. Yeah. Everyone. And, and, and you, you saw that during those shows. I wish that those shows were webcasted because the stance he had, I have a couple of videos of it where I was just like, that is not a tray I've seen. Like I've seen, I feel like we got a very, it was one of my favorite parts of, uh, say like 2019, 2021, it was a very vulnerable version of Trey who was trying to be as empathetic as possible and really showcasing a very, uh, a softer personal side of him singing about, you know, a friend who died and singing incredibly personal terms. We saw a version of him that I feel like was, was slightly new. This side of him feels like a throwback, but it also has this sense of, 
I can still do this and I'm going to do this with a new spin on it. And you got it in these jams where it's a different approach than that kind of full band jamming that we heard in Fuego. It's more tray led, but like you said, Megan, these three shows have such a three different, you know, uh, flavors to the sides of fish. There's something about getting on Sunday night, just a full steam of, uh, tray just like coming at you. Well, and there's, there's difference to like a confidence and a swagger of a wise, like journeyman musician to the confidence and swagger of like a 97 bad boy tray. You know, I think there's like, he's able to have that arrogance and that swagger now, but also sing lonely trip or a life beyond the dream and like make yeah. me cry. You know, I think but he's that's also like, like when, and I, and I want to extend it to 99 when he played in the trio tour in 99, which I've mm, talked about mm, a lot, mm. but he, you, you saw that guy there. Um, yeah. but now that same guy, he's on stage with fish shreds through llama and then just comes out of it, just laughing because yeah. his ego is not as connected. You know, it's not hanging on that. He can, he can push it out front to make, to play the thing, but then he can just pull back and just laugh at who he is, what they just did and, uh, and carry on and then do it again. If only it's for the best. Bars. It's amazing stuff. It's really amazing. And then to cap it off with Isabella was kind of the perfect, If you know, it was almost like yeah. Friday night, only one encore song. When you play a show like that, you get to play Led Zeppelin in the Madison Square Garden. When you play right. guitar like you play tonight, you get to play Jimi Hendrix. You know, that's these, these yes. are the rules, I guess. Um, speaking of which, um, I have a question for you all because, you know, Trey is asking Fishman, are there rules? What are the rules? Are we breaking rules? Um, I'm going to put you both on the spot. I have an answer for this. Um, so try to be as creative minded as possible. Be, be, be like fish in the middle of a jam. Okay. Okay. Name, Damn, a rule. No pressure. name a rule that you would like to see fish break in the final four shows here at Madison square garden. Mm. Oh God. I'm happy to go first to get this started. I have an answer. You go Please. first. You go first. <clears throat> so one thing I've always wanted them to do, and this would break both the repeat rule and this would break show structure rule. I've always wanted to see them play back-to-back shows that feature the exact same set list, but in different orders. To So you get like one night, you know, Tweezer opens set two, you get a Life Boy, you get a You Enjoy Myself, you get a Split Open and Melt, you know, get all these songs. The next night, and all those songs are kind of played in like the slots that you typically get them in. The next night, all those songs are played again, but they're like shuffled. And so everything, it's it's the mm. same song structure to lead you in places, but perhaps the tweezer is more energetic versus spacier, or the You Enjoy Myself opens the show, or Split Open a Melt comes midway through the first set. And so you get this like different feel and this perspective of what these songs can do in different places. I've always wanted to see them try that just once, back to back, mess with the set list in that sort of way. That would be wild. It'd be really crazy. Yeah. Megan, do you have one? I could take a stab at it if you don't. You know, this is making me feel a little bit um, boring because I've never really even thought about like, what would I do? I always want fish to do because I feel like they always just surprise me. And so I'm always kind of just going in ready to to take my medicine, whatever it is. But I've always wanted them 
when I think about it, I think I've always expected or thought it would be so cool if they just did like one song for a whole set. I just, I'm just curious as to like what that would be like, what the audience would do, like how people would react, like what song would they pick? Like, wouldn't it be so cool? Like, or like a, a 50 minute pillow jets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like take a new song that they are so inspired by right now, like oblivion and play it for a set and just see like what happens. I don't know. That's always something I've wanted to see them do. What's yours, Jonathan? Um, Play Life on Mars while Jonathan Hart is in the building. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, this is your time to call. <laughs> <laughs> that would be mine. Requested. And just to be clear, that means Sunday, August 5th. Uh, yeah. Saturday, August 5th, rather. Yeah, better make sure I know what day it is so I get on the right train. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I have one that is even remotely realistic. Like, Brian, I think yours is very realistic. I think that you is think something they that, that they could con- – I don't know that they would do that. But I think it's I something they that would, they very they could. much could do without, could. like – So, like – and one song set, I think, is something that they could do. Uh, mine is more like, you know, one song show. Um, That'd be crazy. And it, it, yeah, it's be crazy, but it, it but it defies certain structures like that are built into like their rider and such that fish will play two sets and a you know encore. That's all very that's like contractually structured stuff. So it's the big you could fade out set one with like sirens and come back and set yeah. two, start those sirens. You know, you played you yeah, start the show you with know, disease and you end this show with waiting for all the let's time. Let's leave them to figure you. it out. Um, obviously <laughs> Brian's like, life on Mars would be a weird choice for it, but they could also do this on Saturday. <laughs> It'd be an amazing choice. That would really break the rules. We had a couple uh, suggestions here. McGrath, yeah, let's hear it. Good friend of the pod here. Uh, three song banger. That would exactly. be great. Hell Rather yeah. than a four song set, let's get a three song set. It feels like I love the idea. I love, love, love the idea of a one song set. That is something I would love to see them attempt to do. Um, I do think that the three song is more realistic, but we're talking about rules breaking here. So yeah, why but what be if realistic, they did you three know? songs for the whole show? Like one song oh. first set, one song second set, one song encore. Great song show. That'd be cool. I'm into that. That'd be sick. Uh, Shermuth, really good friend of the pod here as well, uh, said a rule I'd like to see them break is just literally start a set randomly jamming. Maybe I've done that before, but just a huge type two jam without a song. I, I would love this. I think the closest yeah. example we have is I believe it's 10799 from Nassau. Starts with like a seven minute long jam and then they play You Enjoy Myself. But to get that like, here's 20 minutes and it's tracked as jam or msg jam whatever it would oh, be on live fish and then maybe that ends and then okay now here's another song that would that is something i'm really surprised we've never really seen from the band because mm. they you you hear it in sound checks you hear it in um uh you know I referenced this yesterday, but the Victor tapes you hear it in the sick disc you know they're they they are able to start you know uh, from mm-hmm. from scratch and able, there's a ch- yes. there's a willing able to they choose yeah. they choose not to which is you know i think it's it's that's yeah. the entertainment value of it and um it could it would be cool to see in a resident setting hey let's just we got everyone here we're not trying to sell tickets for tomorrow everyone's here we got msg let's see what happens if we just 
play some music. I hate and to say no it, but that attached. sounds like a Thursday idea. Um, but or whatever you know, whatever you I'm know, weeknight show, sold out yeah. weeknight, like show. weeknight show. Um, yeah. yeah, let's just mess around with the audience here. Which yeah. we are in store for two weeknight shows. Who knows what's going to happen? We're not playing the prediction game here. We're playing the what if game, which is one of those fun things about fish. But um, this hit has um, moved on from being quick to being um, slightly long to almost being episodic. So we are going to wrap this up here. (laughs) Really, really fun show. Really fun weekend. Thank you all for hanging with us here. And uh, thank you, fish. Thank you, Fish, for yeah, doing all that you guys do. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in the comments. Hope you all get some rest. No show tonight. So tonight's the night. Finish the Bear Season 2. Uh, if you haven't watched the final season of Succession, go and do that. Watch a movie. Read a book. Listen to I've some got other to music. Up. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot to do here. I'm going to go fishing here shortly and then um, nice. have, some, have some, uh, some food tonight and uh, just – Enjoy being up here in my favorite part of the world. And I will see you guys on Wednesday to cover night four of the MSG residency. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you. Hey music fans, we wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2pm on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fund run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.